If uh, the, the aliens like manufactured you to be uh, a nah. mixed martial arts fighter, they're like, let's see if we could just turn. This I'm sure. Into I would, a bad it, I'm sure if it would have happened, I would have been much better than than, than this. Much know? better than this. You're the fucking champion. What are yeah, you talking but about? if I would be alien manufacturer, I would be a <laughs> Superman. You know. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being tuning into the podcast. I welcome you to episode 16 of Martian Mixed Martial Arts. As you probably noticed immediately listening to the episode, I did change up the introduction to Martian MMA a little bit. Had to add a little bit of a GSP into the mix uh, after a suggestion from a fellow Redditor. He said, how are you going to have a podcast about Martians without any GSP in it? I said, you know what, you're right. So I added in the infamous clip of uh, GSP on the Joe Rogan Experience where he admits that uh, he has lapses in memory where he will be driving down the road or in his house and two to four hours will go by and he won't know what happens to him and he has no recollection of it. He doesn't think he fell asleep. He can actually be sleepwalking while he's uh, unconscious like this. So... He believes, uh, he doesn't really admit it, doesn't want, really want to come out and say it to forth, uh, but uh, he believes that he is maybe taken away by aliens during that period of time. Um, you know, he, uh, he's been fighting for well over a decade, probably closer to uh, two decades than one. Um, so, you know, his head trauma might, uh, might be the cause of this uh, alien obsession, but uh, we're not going to speculate. We're just going to appreciate that we have another uh, uh, alien connoisseur among us, and that man is perhaps the greatest fighter of all time, George St. Pierre. So getting on to this week's episode, this week we will be reviewing UFC Arizona that happened this past week, headlined by Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje, and then we will be talking about uh, the upcoming card this week taking place in Atlantic City, New Jersey, headlined by Edson Barbosa versus Kevin Lee. So to start things off, we're going to go back this past weekend to the 14-fight card that took place in Glendale, Arizona. The first time um, pro MMA has taken place in this arena, you know, at least Zufa MMA, since uh, WEC 53 when uh, Anthony Pettis landed perhaps the most famous strike in any MMA fight, the Showtime kick on Benson Henderson in their incredible title fight. Uh, the last WEC event, WEC ran in Arizona all the time, but uh, the UFC uh, finally took a trip back to Glendale, and they brought a, an amazing card with them. Uh, 14 fights, the uh, first time a UFC card has had 14 fights since UFC 2 uh, back in 1994, so um, just an incredible achievement for them. Uh, really lucky that all 14 people, uh, all, all 28 fighters, I'm sorry, made weight. Uh, all 28 fights happened. Um, 
So a really successful card for the UFC after a detrimental week, uh, the week before where they had, uh, you know, the Conor McGregor incident that forced three fights off of UFC 213, or 223, excuse me, and, uh, you know, just all the chaos that happened with uh, Tony Ferguson falling out and Max Holloway uh, coming out of it and the scramble to find an opponent. It was nice to have uh, a week where uh, everything went right for the UFC. Um you know, all the fights came through uh, well, so uh, we're just going to go ahead and uh, talk about uh, each and every fight. Uh, I watched all 14 fights live. It was an awesome, awesome event. Had a little bit of everything, a couple great submissions, a couple awesome knockouts, uh, some back-and-forth decisions as well. So uh, we're going to start at the bottom of the car with Luke Sanders taking on Patrick Williams. Um, this was a pretty uh, surprising back-and-forth fight. Uh, Luke Sanders won, the, the, uh, the, I believe, won all three rounds in my mind, but the, the first and second rounds were pretty close. Um, Williams is uh, typically known as a uh, one-round fighter, doesn't really have good gas tank, but uh, he was uh, pretty competitive in this fight to the last uh, minute. Um, not really throwing too much clean technique or threatening too much, just that occasional uh, one-punch uh, haymaker that will still make you think if you're Luke Sanders. But Luke did a great job in this fight, uh, being really calculated and uh, patient after his past two fights he was winning and ended up getting caught uh, with a knockout and a, a submission, I believe, in, in both of them. Yep, uh, it was a uh, knee bar by Al- Alcantara and a knockout by Sukumtat. So, um... Nice to see him uh, uh, win a uh, win a fight. Uh, you know he's got a lot of potential, but he's honestly not uh, not an elite level fighter, and I don't think ever will be. Um, but uh, moving on, uh, Alejandro Perez taking on Matthew Lopez. Um, Matthew Lopez looked good in the first round. Had a I believe he had a. Alejandro's back in the first round it wasn't able to get a submission and gassed out in the second yes a professional fighter gassed out six minutes into his fight uh just incredible how fast he uh how this fight turned around he was controlling it until until he got tired and right away when the second round started you could just see that he was a step behind Perez and uh Perez ended up uh tuning it up or taking it to him didn't really land too uh too lethal of an attack you know had a had a couple of nice knees and a barrage of uh of strikes but kind of a weak stoppage in my mind and Lopez was just uh super tired Perez was landing a decent amount of shots but the ref basically just stopped it because Lopez like turned away they were still on the feet they were still um uh, you know, he was still defending himself, but he just like turned around and just didn't want to didn't want to fight anymore. So he quit. Um, really terrible uh, fighter, Matthew Lopez is. Um, Perez looked pretty good, but I mean, uh, he you know it's amazing. This guy is on a th- unbeaten in his past six fights, I think. Yeah, one five, uh, one draw. But you would never you would never know it. The dude uh, is really getting lucky with these opponents, honestly. Um, next fight, uh, Adam Wurchrek, something like that, uh, taking on uh, Ar- Aron, Arjan Bueller. Uh, Bueller was a minus 300 uh, or more favorite going into this fight, um, and uh, you couldn't really tell from from uh, how it went down. He uh, uh, landed a couple stiff punches that might have uh, you know stifled Adam on the feet, but didn't really follow them up well at all. Uh, has a really lackluster ground game, and 
in the second, he was uh, taken down, didn't really have any defense, was kind of just laying on the ground like a bum. The dude is close to 300 pounds. I mean, how good can he be uh, on the ground? And uh, he ended up getting omoplatted for the only second time an omoplata has happened in the UFC's history. Uh, really rare submission. Even in jiu-jitsu, it's really rare. Um, and like we said, in the past 25 years of MMA, it's only happened once by uh, Ben Saunders back in 2014. But um, that one was much more technical. This one was this one was kind of just a, a gift from the gods, honestly, that, that he got it. And uh, the, the Polish fella admitted in the uh, post-fight interview that this was his first time that he ever landed the omoplata. Um, so it looked like the dude knew how to do it pretty well, but like I said, not a really a common submission. He's never even landed it in his life, and he ended up finishing a UFC fight with it. So, uh, yeah, Bueller is a bum. This other guy, uh, Adam uh, Warcheck, isn't isn't too good either. Really uh, pretty lackluster on the feet, but his uh, ground game kind of saved him in this fight. Super funny fight, though. Uh uh, Yushin Okami taking on Diego Lima. Really, really boring fight. Yushin just took him down and controlled him on the ground the entire fight. Uh, if I look at the statistics, I'm pretty sure he, he'll have like uh, maybe 12 minutes on Diego Lima in this fight. Uh, it was just domination from bell to bell. Um, it's amazing. Uh, I, I believe uh, he got uh, Diego Lima got his rib broken in the second round uh, of this fight. But, uh, I mean... Uh, he really did, just didn't have an answer for uh, Okami on the ground at all. Uh, you know, Okami is a pretty big welterweight, um, but, you know, Lima's not very small himself either. So, um, uh, pulling up this uh, statistic of the top, yeah, 12 minutes and 35 seconds uh, of top uh, control time for Okami. Um, just an insane uh, statistic, 6 to 13 for takedowns. Really just dominated Lima in this fight. Uh, amazing that uh, Okami actually was able to stick to a game plan and execute it pretty much perfectly uh, with his uh, experience and age. Uh, you know, also hasn't looked too great lately, uh, you know, losing his last fight uh, really easily. But, um, you know, that was against a guy 35 pounds heavier than him on short notice. So I guess you can't really take that, uh, that loss too seriously. Uh, so moving along, the next slide we had uh, uh, Shayna Dobson take on uh, Lauren Mueller. Um, Lauren Mueller uh, got the decision in this one, uh, like she like she should have. It was a pretty close fight, um, but not nothing really exciting at all in the entire fight. I think I might actually just stop watching in the middle of it, so don't really have much uh, much uh, analysis of that one. Uh, next fight was uh, Gilbert Burns versus uh, uh, Dan Um Really, uh, really amazing knockout by Gilbert Burns. You know, as a uh, as a jujitsu practitioner, or a, a very heavy jujitsu practitioner, you know, obviously that's Burns' biggest threat. Uh, he's got some pretty nice striking, and uh, he's actually, I think, landed uh, knockout, yeah, one punch knockouts in back to back fights. So um, pretty impressive for him that he's really working his striking. Uh, you know, Dan Moret, not too, uh, he, uh, not too uh, legitimate of an opponent. He was uh, filled in on short notice uh, for Orlando Venata. Um, so I guess he held his own surviving uh, for, you know, six minutes. But um, uh, moving on to the prelims, uh, we had Brad Tavares uh, take on Kristoff Joko. Um, I, don't, I don't remember the first two rounds of this fight, honestly. I, I, uh, I remember the, the knockout that uh, Tavares landed. I'm pretty sure Tavares was, was beating him up. Uh, let, me, let me check the scores uh, before, this, uh, before uh, the finish happened. 
Um, yeah, Tavares was outstriking him pretty significantly, but uh, I don't really remember uh, how the first two rounds went. I believe it was 2-0 uh, Tavares. And then in the third round, uh, he just landed a barrage of punches that uh, eventually landed to dropping Joko. Pretty pretty, uh, a pretty nasty KO. I'm pretty sure that was the one where the, he ate, he sniffed his knee. Um, uh, no, that might have been might have been Ricky Rainey. Um, ah, shit, it might have been Burns. I don't remember. There was one really cool uh, knockout where the dude like, was against the cage, and he, he got knocked out and basically just, like, sniffed his knee afterwards while he was slumped over uh, in uh, some weird knockout position. I'm pretty sure it was Dan Barrett. Um But, uh, yeah, Brad Tavares beat uh, Christoph Joko. I saw the fight uh, go, uh, go in Tavares' way, but I thought it was going to be a decision. Uh, fortunately, he uh, delivered a pretty exciting knockout. Um, next fight, John Moraga defeated Wilson Hayes. Wilson Hayes uh, won the first round, I believe, and then... Uh, uh, Moraga took over and won the second, uh, second and the third, uh, coasting his way to his decision. Um, I was pretty, pretty confident that Moraga had this fight. Uh, didn't haste, didn't really land anything significant. His striking is pretty bad. He only really relies on, uh, on takedowns, and he had uh, eight takedowns in the fight. Wilson hasted, and he still lost. So that shows you how bad he sucks. Um, won a little bit of money on Moraga on his money line. Uh, I don't. Th- I might have live bet him too because he uh, looked it looked really good in that fight. Uh, I think I was kind of worried about the decision though, uh, what the takedowns uh, you know might have favored in the judge's mind. But uh, next fight, uh, Muslim Salikov defeated Ricky Rainey by another uh, pretty spectacular knockout. Uh, Salikov is a pretty flashy striker who uses a lot of back kicks and um, spinning back fists and all types of fancy shit to kind of fool his opponents. But he landed a really, really clean uh, uh, knockout. No, no, no spinning shit. I'm pretty sure it was just a crisp uh, uh, hook cross combination that knocked him out. Um, really should have watched the, the highlights again so I have like a, a, a refresher in my mind. Um, but yeah, Salikov uh, looked uh, pretty good in this fight after you know losing his last fight pre- after gassing out to uh, Alex Garcia. Uh, moving along, uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. defeated Tim Boach. Um, yeah, just domination from Carlos Jr. Takedown, just contr- controlled him on the ground and uh, was able to choke him out really easily. Uh, uh, Shoeface just you know can run laps on pretty much any guy in the division. Uh, at middleweight, he's definitely uh, the best. Uh, you know, him and Jacare are uh, the best grapplers in middleweight by uh, by far. So uh, you know, Carlos Jr. could uh, could rack up some pretty notable wins uh, with by just uh, u- utilizing his uh, his amazing jujitsu. But uh, unfortunately, he's kind of struggled to really break into the top fifteen at middleweight in his career. Uh, but he, I'm pretty sure he he'll uh, be ranked after this fight. Um, Moving along to the main card, Michelle Waterson and Courtney Casey had a really close fight. Uh, I was uh, I was on uh, Waterson's money line in this fight, and uh, it was definitely a nail biter. Um, she had she did uh, very well in the striking, but I think Courtney Casey did uh, way better in the scrambles and the jujitsu aspect of it. Um, Casey actually had her caught in a couple couple submissions. Didn't look too uh, tight, you know, uh, or they weren't fully locked in, but uh, she definitely threatened her. Um, 
at, at points in the fight, especially in like the last uh, 10 seconds of the fight, I'm pretty sure Casey almost had a, a karate hottie in a, an armbar, but she uh, was able to survive. I was confident Waterston had the decision, um, but you know, Casey being from Arizona, uh, was a little worried about the decision, but luckily it went our way. Uh, was super not not confident at all uh, in Waterson going into this fight. Uh, Casey just looked like twenty pounds heavier than her uh, in that fight. Just had probably four inches of reach on uh, of reach on her, and uh, I mean height on her, and uh, was was pretty impressive that Waterson was able to win this. Uh, she really showed all of her skills that she hasn't been able to show in her past couple fights. You know, getting dominated by T- uh, Tisha Torres. And uh, getting uh, again dominated and, and uh, pretty much knocked out and choked out by uh, Nami Yunus um, back uh, last April. So awesome to see her bounce back and a pretty good fight. Um, would have been would have been fight of the night most likely if it weren't for the main event. Um, moving along, uh, Israel Adesanya defeated Marvin Vittori in a uh, split decision. Don't think it should have been split. Um, pretty sure Adesanya won uh, two rounds to one pretty clearly. Um, you know, I don't think many people expected Vittori to win this fight. Uh, I certainly didn't. The dude is, has really bad fight IQ and is just a just a fucking idiot. Like, like just. Like, I don't understand how you can be this stupid and be a UFC fighter. His plan was to to strike with Adesanya. Adesanya being a world-renowned kickboxer. He's got, you know, how many, how many kickboxing fights in his career? 50, uh, 57 kickboxing fights. He's 50-5. and five. Um, So, I mean, he's obviously one of the best strikers in the UFC. Uh, probably the best active kickboxer in the UFC, and he was like in his interviews, like, yeah, I want to stand with him and show show his weaknesses, and he did sp- spend most of the fight on his feet with Adi Sanya, just getting picked apart. Um, and then he did, uh, you know, land a couple takedowns and did have some success, and probably won his only round by uh, uh, using his takedown and control on top. Adi Sanya didn't look bad on the ground, didn't look super uh, comfortable, but uh, he definitely, um, you know, has to has to work on his ground game. Obviously, kickboxing being his strength, uh, he he's a uh, transition to MMA has been probably a lot of ground uh, ground game. Um, so you just got to keep improving that. Uh, but I mean, he, his ground game is probably uh, behind the bell curve of the rest of the, the division. So before moving up to face a pretty elite competition, he's going to have to work on that a lot. But um, it definitely looks super good. And uh, just to prove how stupid this Marvin Vittori is, he, he thought he won the decision and like freaked out after he, he lost it. And then... And then he said in uh, on in an interview or a tweet or something. Next time I see Israel Adesanya, I'm gonna slap that disrespectful punk, um, dude. You just had a professional fight with him for 15 minutes last weekend, and he kicked your ass. And because he thought he clear because he clearly won the fight and was you know confident in the fact he won after the fact. Yeah, uh, you apparently want to slap his punk ass, dude. Like it's just so so stupid, um, to say something like that. Uh, another another instance of his stupidity. The dude is in the middle of the fight. He, he no, all, you know, I'll give him a little bit of credit. He did get eye poked in the first round, 
and uh, in the second round, he eats an, an an elbow like the the point of Adesanya's elbow just goes right into Vittori's eye. It was a nasty strike, but right after the elbow landed, like he held he holds his eye and like looks at the ref and points at the ref like he thinks it's an eye poke. Like, dude, you just ate a flush elbow and you're looking for the ref to save you for for an eye poke. Like he's just a he's just a a, a whiny a whiny wimp. Uh, honestly. Uh, have no interest in seeing that dude in the UFC anymore. He des- he deserves to be on the the, the regional regional circuit. Um, what is what is his record? Uh, twelve and four. Yeah, uh, he's twelve and four, two two and one in the UFC. I mean, he's he deserves, I guess, one more fight before they kick him out. But uh, I mean, most of his fights are were from Venator FC, a very uh, not a, a notoriously bad promotion for, in, in Italy. So. Uh, yeah, that guy. That guy needs to take a hike. Uh, but uh, Adi Sanya, uh, again, I would like to see him fight one, uh, you know, kind of mid-level uh, middleweight before uh, jumping into the top fifteen. Um, but yeah, he he looks pretty awesome. Uh, co-main event was uh, Alex Cowboy Oliveira taking on uh, Carlos Condit. Uh, Carlos Condit was supposed to fight Matt Brown, but unfortunately. Uh, as that fight has been scheduled three or four times throughout uh, UFC history, Matt Brown uh, tore his ACL and had to pull out for the fight, so the fight was once again canceled. And uh, on uh, two or three weeks' notice, uh, Alex Brazilian Cowboy Oliveira uh, was able to uh, fill in for this fight. And uh, really, uh, it was 12 days' notice, actually, so he performed extremely well in this fight. Um, Carlos was able to take uh, uh, Oliveira down in the first round and uh, had his back at the end of the round, and it looked like he was almost going to submit Oliveira uh, in the first, and then the the, uh, the clock expired. And uh, the, the, t- the tide kind of turned in uh, the second round. Uh, Oliveira came out uh, looking a little more... Uh, Aggressive was able to you know land some some uh, some grazing shots that kind of like you know uh, flustered uh, Carlos kind of rocked him uh, you know had a an, I think it was an elbow uh, an elbow to like the 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 head that really uh, no it was a, it was a, one of the Travis Brown elbows where it's like you know nine o'clock to three o'clock while the guy is trying to take you down uh, on your legs and uh, cut uh, kind of really badly on like the the side of his head. Um, and, uh, you know, there was a little bit of a scramble once, uh, uh, Carlos was rocked, but then, uh, Oliveira was able to get, uh, sink in, a, a guillotine choke and, uh, ch- choke, uh, Carlos, uh, completely out, uh, Condit went unconscious. It was a crazy, crazy finish. Um, but, uh, you know... I'm pretty sure you went out. Yeah, I don't think he tapped. Um, and there was this great picture afterwards uh, where Condit uploaded on Instagram was saying, you know, like here's that like after lost look where you have a thousand yard stare and you don't remember what just happened, but you're covered in blood and like the referees explaining it to you. And he he was really honest on Instagram and he said something like, you know, I still I still love this shit. I still I still love training. I still love fighting. I still love the sport. The UFC, the fans competing, all of it, but. 
I don't know if it's for me anymore. Like he, he was really honest in saying where he doesn't know where he's at in his career and he needs to really evaluate like with his you know friends, family, and coaches uh, what to do next. Which is which is really true. Even though uh, even though you still have what it takes to train and to compete, you know, um, sometimes it's just not good to keep fighting. So that does make uh, a, a four losses in a row for Carlos Condit, if I'm correct. Yep. Um, you know, for arguably, you know, the, his the his fight against Robbie Lawler for the title, uh, I believe he won that fight three rounds to two, and one one of the most spectacular fights in UFC history, one of the most underrated too. Um, you know that he was uh, he was one and one uh, in his past uh, two fights before getting that title shot, and uh, I was really glad the UFC gave it to him because they knew the Condit versus Lawler hadn't happened before, and they knew that it would deliver fireworks for sure. And uh, like I said, it did, and being one of my favorite fights of all time. Uh, unfortunately, the judges did uh, give it to, to Robbie in a split decision, and uh, after that, Carlos kind of had a little bit of a decline of his career getting dominated and choked out by Maya, looking really bad against uh, Neil Magny uh, last December, and uh, again, losing this fight to Alex Oliveira here. So um, good to see that he's evaluating uh, what's next for his career, but uh, what I think is next would uh, to try to be to just book that one last uh, UFC fight against uh, Matt Brown, a guy who is uh, you know, similar to him in his career. Um, they've been fighting forever. They've been in the UFC for 10 years. They all they have 20, 30 fights, and uh, they're both like aggressive uh, animals, and that fight just needs needs to happen. They both want it to be their last UFC fight, I think, and so I think that uh, uh, Condit maybe just take some time off, you know, recover. Uh, he did fight in December and again in April, losing both fights, so I think, you know, take some time off. Uh, and uh, really just prepare for that la- that last go at the UFC. Wait for uh, uh, Brown's uh, ACL to heal up. Might take a long time, but I think it's it's good if he, you know, uh, Brown uh, maybe get that fight rescheduled for 2019 and uh, have it be their last fight. Uh, but uh, moving on to, uh, yeah, oh, last note about that fight. Alex Oliveira is just one of the most exciting fighters in the UFC. I fucking love this guy. He's, uh, you know, he's just so, such a goofy guy. Like, he's making faces on uh, to the camera in between rounds um uh he you know just brings it every time has incredible incredible fights his fight against yanti medeiros was by far the fight of the year last year so uh really really uh love this guy every time he fights is, is a must watch so um i'm actually really glad he got the win and uh won uh, on his uh inside the distance prop so thank you cowboy and uh moving on to the main event um the clear fight of the night and probably the fight of the year so far you know up there with uh zabit versus i think it's better than zabit versus uh but uh this fight was just insane um dustin poirier versus justin gaethje we knew it couldn't be boring but uh, i mean this exceeded every expectation um so uh it came out with justin uh justin throwing some nasty uh leg kicks like he always does um poirier wasn't having much success checking them he was eating a ton of them uh and after the first and second round i was severely worried that poirier was gonna take a couple more leg kicks and just crumble but um 
you know, uh, what's uh, been a problem of Gaethje's is that he abandons those leg kicks from time to time for a couple minutes uh, in every fight, and he just focuses on brawling and throwing punches. And he did have a couple lapses like this uh, in this fight, where if I think if he would have just kept attacking that uh, lead leg of Poirier, he probably would have uh, somehow found a way to TKO him by uh, leg kicks. Um, but uh, I mean, Gaethje, man, he's just such such a such an animal. Uh, he uh, did get a point deducted in the second round for uh, his second eye poke. I believe he eye poked Dustin in the first round, and then again in the second. And uh, I think Herb Dean uh, was the ref of this fight, and he uh, uh, chose to take a point, which was uh, the right move. Uh, for sure. Um, I believe uh, Dustin landed his own eye poke, though, in the third round, so interesting to see. Uh, I think they even mentioned, like, oh, oh shit, now if Dustin lands another one, um, this uh, this fight could be get get real interesting, because not only were the rounds close as shit, but both rounds were, I want to say, uh, I wanna, like, they both landed 60-some punches in each one, yeah. First round, uh, Poirier landed 63 punches, uh, or strikes, sorry. Uh, and Gaethje landed 34, so statistically, um, Dor uh, Poirier almost doubled him up in that one, so uh, that, would, that would probably be Poirier's round. The second round was much closer, uh, 58 strikes for Poirier and 46 for Gaethje, um, but that's when I really thought the leg kicks were taking a toll. Um, I think, uh, I, you know, the third round was, uh, not, I don't have a vivid memory of it, but um, Poirier was uh, 40 strikes, uh, Gaethje 34, um, you know, and this this fight was so crazy because you know every every uh, live betting you're thinking, okay, who's getting the better of the exchanges now? It's like you can bet on that person. Who do, who's gonna you can bet on who's gonna collapse first? You know, oh, I think that uh, Gaethje's chin is gonna collapse from all the punches first, or I think Poirier's legs are gonna collapse first because the leg kicks. Um, it was just such an insane fight to, to see, uh, you know, to have it unravel in the live betting. And then the point deduction for, uh, for, for Gaethje was a huge detriment. And everyone started thinking, like, holy shit, this fight might actually go to a decision. Um, you know, they were releasing the, the fight does not go the distance prop, so you had to think about those. So I believe I ended up did betting uh, Poirier after the third round, luckily. And... Um, uh, I uh, before the fight pre-fight I had Poirier by knockout and Poirier by uh, in the third round and the fourth round so um, I really wanted him to finish him in the third and the fourth and uh, after the third uh, I bet him again so I had you know a good amount of money on uh, Poirier and then uh, the first minute of the the fourth round Poirier just landed a, a nasty left that put Justin on Queer Street uh, Justin's legs gave out and he kind of you know took a couple more punches the dude is as tough as they come uh he's a division one wrestler and chooses not to wrestle just stands on the feet and has the most uh exciting fights of pretty much any fighter in the ufc and um he uh he took a couple more shots from gaethje and then herb dean uh stepped in to call the fight and, and like i said one of the most I amazing fights uh, of the year um you know probably not all time because uh you know it didn't have any any uh you know, it did have, you know, great back-and-forth moments, but I don't see it as an all-time great fight. It was just a very, very memorable fight. Uh, like I said, fight, uh, fight of the year candidate uh, for sure, uh, probably the front-runner at this point. And, um, you know, respect to Justin Gaethje, respect to uh, Dustin Poirier. Both of them really let it all on the line. And uh, their, their post-fight interviews were, were extremely, uh, extremely revealing. Uh, you know, the Justin, the loser, said that... Um, 
you know, as crazy as it sounds, I'm content with my performance out there. Like, I felt better than ever. I was landing shots. I felt good. I felt I was eating shots. And, you know, I got caught. But, you know, that's the that's the fight game. Like, I, I didn't come into this shit to, to win or lose. I came in here to, to put on good fights, you know. I might have four or five fights left. And, uh, you know, I want to compete all those in the UFC. And I want to, you know, all the fans to enjoy the shit out of all of them. And, you know, I have four fights left. So, you know, get your tickets and see it live while you can. So the dude, you know, just had nothing but positive things to say. And, uh, you know, that's just so incredible from a dude who was, you know, winning a fight and, lo- and then ended up getting a f- kind of a flash knockout uh, and losing, you know, had the eye pokes, uh, the point deduction, got eye poked himself, just all types of crazy, crazy, and, you know, him being from Arizona, losing in front of his home crowd, um, you know, a lot to deal with, but the fact that he was positive and, and you know, uh, you know, coherent and everything like that after after the fact was just incredible to see. And then poor day's interview when he says like, man, like, you know, uh, my wife like we used to it was just me and her back ten years ago. I was fighting on the regional circuits. We were staying in crummy hotels, and it was just me and her. And she was she was there with me by my side the entire time. She always believed. And you know, I I, I don't care about rematching uh, Eddie Alvarez. I don't care about rematching Conor McGregor. I want that belt. Like I want Khabib. I want to uh, go to go to sleep at night and tell my wife that I did it. And uh, you know, that interview was just absolutely incredible. Really, really heartfelt. Um, you know, uh, really great message. The dude has sunglasses on, but I imagine that he's you know tearing up a little bit himself, and he must feel that he's right there. Um, definitely the closest he's ever been. How can you not fucking love Dustin Poirier? Um, he, you know, uh. He's uh, he pretty much 8-1 and one in his last 8 fights. He was winning that uh, Eddie Alvarez fight before uh, the illegal knees um, unfortunately happened and caused that fight to be a no contest. But uh, the dude is just uh, a fucking savage. He, like I said, like so similar to uh, uh, Alex Oliveira and uh, Justin Gaethje, his opponent. The dude's just bring it every time. He can't have a boring fight. Um you know, uh, just just really really love that guy and hope he gets the title shot. I think Khabib uh, actually does want the title shot. They recognize that Poirier is like uh, just a hard fought fighter. Like he's just a dedicated hardcore guy. He's not about trash talking. He's not about you know any uh, playing a fake persona. Uh, he's he he's just he's just real. And um, I think that the Khabib's team recognizes that, and I think that they actually want to fight him. And uh, Poirier actually came out and said that uh, Khabib's team reached out to him and said that they want him to be their first title shot, uh, title defense. So we definitely have a chance of seeing that fight in the near future, and I think that, that fight is going to be fucking awesome. Um, you know, uh, obviously uh, Khabib would be the pretty heavy favorite in it, but uh, I think that uh, Poirier could definitely prove some problems. You know, the dude got leg kicked 30, 40 times and, and didn't didn't miss a step. Just kept coming forward, kept seeking that finish. Uh, just just insane uh, uh, resilience and toughness showed by Justin Poirier in that fight. So um, definitely hope that he gets the title shot next. Um, but after uh, after that card, like I said, uh, amazing card. Uh, surprisingly, had the fourth lowest. Uh, UFC on Fox viewership of all time did really bad. That's probably around like 1.3, 1.4 million views, which is just 
terrible. It's a damn shame for missing a, uh, an amazing, amazing fight like Poirier and Gaethje. Um, you know, it's 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 really fucked up to see because uh, when you have a, a good uh, fight, the casual fans can get interested. That has guaranteed fireworks like Poirier versus Gaethje. Um, it's sad that that still doesn't rake in views and it still has pretty low viewership. So, uh, uh, man, it's a, a, a huge detriment to see and definitely is going to play a factor in this uh, future uh, ESPN-NBC deal with the UFC uh, possibly uh, switching networks in, in the coming years. So um, that's enough for this card. Uh, like I said, I was probably in a 9 out of 10 in terms of the entire card. But uh, we're going to move on to UFC Atlantic City taking place in uh, two days from now, uh, April 21st at the Boardwalk Hall, uh, headlined by a lightweight fight between Barbosa and Lee. Uh, so uh, we're going to go ahead and start at the bottom of this uh, bottom of this card. Uh, not really two interesting prelims. I uh, won't spend too much time on them because I'm honestly going to be talking out of my ass because I don't really know much about these guys. Uh, I, I did watch a, a good amount of tape on this card in general, uh, but not really for these uh, prelim fights. Um, you know, pre, you can't bet on the uh, live bet on the, the fight pass prelims, so I feel like, you know, really knowing the fighters isn't as beneficial. Um, so, uh, and we, uh, you know, we there are some, uh, I guess there is a, a couple interesting uh, matchups odds-wise, but, um, First fight is Kida Nakamura taking on uh, Tony Martin. Tony Martin moving up uh, to welterweight for his first fight. His, uh, all of his fights have been at lightweight so far. And he's taking on the much more experienced uh, Kido Nakamura. Kido is 33-8, and eight, and um, his opponent Tony Martin is only 12-4. and four. Uh, doesn't really have much uh, UFC experience, uh, Nakamura. He is only uh, three and two, but he has pretty uh, pretty impressive wins over uh, a choke of uh, Li Jingling, uh, uh, another choke of Kyle Noki, and a split decision win over Alex Marino. Um, only losing to uh, um, some man by the name of. Iluzu Zakili Dos Santos. Never even heard of that guy before. And uh, Tom Brees. So, um, Tony Martin is a really, really heavy favorite in this fight. Um, I think uh, almost minus 300, if I'm correct. Um, minus 255 to plus 215. The over on this fight is, wow, minus 350. So, um, it's almost guaranteed that this fight is going to a decision. I imagine that most people think Tony Martin is winning the decision from how the odds are going. But, um, you know, when a guy has 16 fights versus a guy with 44 fights, um, I don't, it's, it's interesting to see that dynamic. I mean, that's, that experience, uh, barrier is gigantic. So, well, we'll see how that, 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 uh, fight plays out. Don't really know, know much about those fellas though. So don't have much of a prediction. Moving on to, uh, Merab Divishali taking on, uh, Ricky Simon. I think, De, uh, Divishali trains with, um, all of the guys with Mark Henry's camp, you know, Frankie Edgar, Edson Barbosa, Marlon Marais, um, those guys are just incredible. Nick Cantone, uh, that's one of the best camps in the US, in the world, honestly. Um, and uh, they, uh, you know, these these guys are, uh, you know, all preparing for fights on the uh, the, the same card. Uh, Frankie Edgar and Barbosa, you know, the co-main event and main event. So he's got some pr pretty amazing training in. Um, for this fight, uh, Ricky Simon, however, is the favorite on this fight. Um, 
uh, like I said, don't know much about yeah, either of these uh, fighters. Unfortunately, I haven't seen them fight. Uh, Ricky Simon is 12-1, uh, and one, and Merab Divashali is 7-3. Uh, um, Ricky Simon, uh, this is his first fight in the UFC. He's got, you know, uh, he was on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. Interesting that he won a fight on that uh, show, and then for some reason wasn't offered a contract. You know, they don't have to guarantee people all those contracts. Because uh, he did win in a split decision, so it was probably not too decisive of a, of a performance. So uh, he chose to just go to go uh, to LFA and uh, take on Chico Camus, UFC vet. Um, beat him for it looked like for their vacant yeah their vacant uh, one thirty five pound title, uh, and then uh, defended his belt against a pretty tough Brazilian who was uh, eleven and uh, eleven and four. Uh, don't know the don't know the fella goes by the name of Vincius Zani, but he knocked him out in the first round, and then um, got signed to the UFC after that. So pretty smart move uh, by Ricky Simon. Um, you know, after ha- having a pretty okay performance, um, was uh, just decided to go to LFA. Um, so uh, Divashali is a, a Ring of Combat veteran, a promotion that is pretty local to uh, my area. They do a lot of shows in uh, Atlantic City as well. Um, so uh, this is uh, Simon's uh, first fight, or second fight in the UFC, excuse me. Uh, lost a split decision to Frankie Signs. I believe that this fight he landed uh, the. I believe he landed eight takedowns in that fight and still lost. Uh, pretty similar to. Uh, um, the uh, Wilson Hayes John Moraga fight that happened this past weekend. I'll get you that exact stat on the the takedowns because pretty impressive that you can land that many. Ta- yeah, eleven takedowns. Holy shit! The dude landed eleven takedowns and lost the fight. So um, you know, not a not a good thing to see. It shows that the guy is is pretty inactive and tries to you know kind of coast the decisions more so than uh, chase finishes. He was a uh, uh, was supposed to take on um, Augusto Mendez in this fight, but uh, fortunate for him, Augusto Mendez popped for uh, for PED or a USADA suspension of some sort before this fight. So unfortunately, that fight won't be happening. But uh, he actually kind of draw uh, drew a equally as tough opponent in um, Ricky Simon. So sucks for him. Uh, next fight is uh, the only women's fight on the card. Um, uh, not not an exciting one either. Leslie Smith taking on uh, Aspen Ladd. Interesting uh, uh, development with uh, Leslie Smith. She is um, probably the most vocal. Uh, UFC fighter right now uh, advocating for a, a fighters union and more rights for the fighters and she's got a project uh, or a, yeah a project called Project Spearhead which is um, her her uh, trying to organize other martial artists to try to you know cl- uh, you know uh, argue for everything they want you know collective bargain for for benefits and retirement and health care and all the shit that the UFC fighters are neglected of now because uh, they're treated as independent contractors. So uh, uh, Leslie Smith, uh, I you know, very uh, notorious UFC fighter. She uh, uh, she was the the fighter who had her ear. 
uh, her cauliflower ear explode in a fight against Jessica I at UFC 180. You know, cauliflower ears are when uh, fighters' grapplers' ears get uh, swollen up with fluids after grappling for such such amount of uh, time. And uh, a, a hook punch from Jessica I ended up bursting open her ear and spewing the fluid and blood all out over the octagon, which led the fight to be stopped. Uh, really infamous moment in UFC history. Um, she was the first fighter to welcome Chris Cyborg to the UFC in uh, in her catchweight belt, which is you know just shows the fucking balls on her. Uh, no one wanted to fight uh, Cyborg, especially because it wasn't for a belt. Um, but she flew down to Brazil and uh, took on Cyborg in her home country. Uh, in her first fight in the UFC, did get starched in 81 seconds, so pretty quick. Uh, Finish for her. It didn't didn't really t- take too much of a, a, a vicious beating like some of the uh, cyborgs other opponents have. But uh, since that fight, she's looked really good. Uh, uh, won a decision fight of the night over uh, Inray Alidania uh, back in 2016 and uh, TKO'd Amanda Limos uh, last year in Glasgow, Scotland. Um, she's taken on a pretty uh, tough opponent, Aspen Ladd. Um, she is 6-0. Uh, all of her fights are in uh, Invicta or the UFC, so she's obviously fought really stiff competition. Uh, I believe she's the, the the favorite in this fight. Yeah, Aspen Ladd is minus 145 to uh, plus 125 Leslie Smith. Um, this fight, again, the over in this fight is a gigantic favorite, minus 300. Uh, all three, all few fights on the uh, the prelims are gigantic favorites to go to the go to the uh, scorecards. But uh, another interesting development with this fight is that um, over uh, over Leslie's past three fights, she has fought on the pay per view main card, the prelims of a Fox card. And then she's now on the Fox Sports, or uh, the, excuse me, the Fight Pass prelims of a Fox Sports One card. So she has just gone down the ladder in uh, where she is performing at. It's it's I think it's got to be a, a pretty direct result of her uh, how vocal she has been for uh, advocating for um, some sort of union, kind of being a pain in the ass for the UFC. So uh, they're, uh, they're, they're really sticking it to her by uh, putting it on, putting her on the prelims, or the fight pass prelims too, but I don't think she cares much. Um, there's actually some pretty uh, stiff uh, competition, some pretty good fights on the, the pre- prelims and the main card, so uh, it might not be per- too personal. Uh, so moving on to the, the preliminary card on Fox Sports 1, uh, which, uh, Corey Anderson has taken on Patrick Cummins. Um, pretty interesting matchup. Surprised these guys haven't been matched up before. Uh, you know, light heavyweight is pretty thin nowadays. Um, Corey Anderson losing his last fight, uh, last two fights actually, both by knockout. His last fight was uh, was a pretty frustrating fight uh, to watch if you're, uh, you know, just just a fan of the sport. Um, the dude was, uh, you know, keeping OSP a distance, um, not letting him take him down. Was doing really, really well. Um, through two rounds and then gets caught with a head kick by OSP and knocked out in round three. It was an amazing head kick from OSP to see it, but it was just like, oh, the dude was, you know, sticking to his game plan for, for uh, 11 minutes 
and uh, then just got caught and knocked out. So kind of a bummer. And the fight before that was just totally starched by Jimmy Manoa. Kind of a bummer for him. Uh, you know, Manoa being uh, English uh, had a big uh, main event spot at the O2 in London, and they just brought in Anderson. And uh, this was when Manoa was on a kind of a kind of a tear in the division, and uh, was able to one punch knock out uh, Corey Anderson. Uh, Anderson is definitely the probably the the chiniest guy in the division, but uh, not not much far behind him is Patrick Cummins. Patrick Cummins definitely can uh, can uh, get caught uh, pretty easily. He has been uh, knocked out uh, three times in his uh, four times in his UFC career, uh, all four of his losses um, uh, to Daniel Cormier, OSP, Glover Teixeira, and uh, Lil Nog. So. Uh, pretty stiff fucking competition uh you know he remember he was brought into the ufc uh 4-0 you know uh i forget who dc was supposed to fight i think it was uh rashad evans at ufc 170 uh the fight fell out a couple weeks before and for the first time in my career uh we i saw someone come in short notice and you know kind of start to to talk shit uh, to talk shit their way into uh, sounding better than they were. So he said that, you know, he wrestled Daniel Cormier in high school or uh, college and used to beat his ass and kind of got people excited, like, oh, shit, this guy might actually be competition for Cormier. But then Cormier starched him and starched him in a minute, pretty much. But ever since then, like I said, the dude's taken on pretty stiff competition in the UFC. Um, won, uh, won almost all of his fights by decision. Um, had a couple of TKOs, but four decisions. Uh, his last uh, two decision wins coming over Jan Blahovich and John Volante. Um, not exactly exciting fights. He usually ch- uh, chooses to wrestle fuck in them. But um, Corey Anderson's got really good takedown defense, so it's going to be interesting to see how this fight goes. Um, uh, Corey Anderson, though, is super chinny, so Patrick Cummins... Although striking is not good, uh, a knockout obviously could come just because that's how uh, weak Anderson's chin is. So uh, I think that Patrick Cummins will find a way to win this fight, whether it will be to get Anderson to the ground or to catch Anderson at some point. I believe he is a uh, underdog at this point. Uh, Corey Anderson, yep, minus 130. Patrick Cummins, plus 110. Um, so, uh, well, interesting, interesting fight, good matchup. Um, uh, so moving along, we had the next fight is C.R. Badarizara taking on uh, Luan Chagas. Uh, Badarizara is a uh, super uh, uh, accomplished UFC vet. Doesn't really have you know too many high level wins, but dude's been around forever. Um, doesn't really have that many UFC fights. He's all struggled with inactivity a lot in his career. Um, you know, taking a huge, huge gap from UFC 168 all the way to UFC 196. So, uh, you know, uh, what is that, 28 uh, pay-per-views gap in his career. But uh, it's looked pretty good lately. He, you know, hasn't fought too stiff competition in Brandon Thatch and Rob Wilkinson, finishing both of them. Uh, but uh, he's looked pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good in those performances. Uh, he's he's got some pretty uh, underrated striking, and also is a pretty grindy wrestler. If he wants, if he needs to take you down and grind you out to a decision, or you know, try to uh, attempt some submissions, uh, the dude can do it. Uh, he arm triangle Brandon Thatch. 
and uh, you know was threatened in all fight in that fight with submissions and ended up uh, sinking one in. Doesn't have too many uh, career submissions, but still. Um, and I don't think he'll be sitting in Chargis, you know, being the Brazilian black uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt. Um, Chargis is also you know much younger. Uh, he's got, uh, one one and one in the UFC, drawing with Sergio Moraes, uh, getting choked out by Eric Silva and choking out Jim Wallhead. Um, you know, Wallhead is a pretty uh, pretty. Um, low-level opponent. He actually had a little bit of a struggle putting him away in that fight, um, but uh, ended up dropping him with a pretty, uh, pretty uh, st stiff punch and choking him out. So, um, you know, pretty, pretty hard to predict this fight. It's a pretty close matchup. I think both of them are. Uh, it's a pick'em fight right now. Yeah, pretty much. Chargis at minus one fifteen. Uh, Badrazar at minus one hundred five. Chargis opened as the the uh, underdog. Um, I think rightfully so, just because he's too unproven and his gas tank is just a little a little questionable. While Badrazara is way more proven. Um, next fight we have uh, Magomed Bibulatov taking on Oka Sasaki. Uh, Bibulatov was a really really uh, well credited uh, prospect coming in the UFC before uh, he had knocked out. It was knocked out by John Moraga. He's a one and one in the UFC and. Uh, I think the UFC kind of sees potential in this guy uh, uh, and is kind of giving him a, a much more manageable opponent in Okasaki. Uh, Okasaki's uh, UFC record stands at 3-4, and four, uh, losing to some pretty pretty uh, low-level competition, Leonardo, Leonardo Issa, Taylor Lapalus, uh, also uh, Wilson Hayes and Juicier Formiga, two uh, pretty high-level guys that he lost to. Um, so it seems like they're you know they have a little bit of faith in him giving him to these uh, higher level uh, opponents, but I don't know. It's going to be a, a tough fight. Uh, Bibulatov is uh, very very uh, high level. Uh, I believe he also is uh, training with uh, the uh, fellows over at uh, Matt Serra uh, and Ray Longo's camp. I could be wrong though. Let me check uh, Fightology because I believe they have the camps on there. Um, no, it says he's still training uh, training out of Russia. So, um, you know that, that I think that uh, Bilatov uh, should be able to win that fight pretty easily. He's a pretty heavy favorite, coming in at uh, minus three seventy. So, yeah, pretty unlikely that Sasaki will catch him. Uh, doesn't really have much knockout power like the last guy who beat uh, Bilatov, uh, Muraga, who has an extreme amount of knockout power. So, this should be a pretty easy fight for Bilatov to win. Next fight, last fight on the prelims is Ryan LaFlair taking on Alex Garcia. Um, uh, Ryan LaFlair is a pretty uh, high-level wrestler. Usually wins most of his fight by just taking the dudes down and uh, controlling them to a decision. Actually, he's 6-2 and two in the UFC and all six of his wins coming by way of decision. Being some pretty stiff competition, you know, Santiago Ponzinibbio. Um, four, uh, four or five years ago, that was really before he came, really came into fruition. Court McGee, John Howard, Mike Pearson, uh, Juan Canero. So, um, the dude's, uh, got some pretty notable wins, but, uh, in his last fight, he, uh, was knocked out against, uh, Alex Cowboy Oliveira with a really, really clean knockout. Um, uh, it was, uh, amazing, uh, you know, how, uh, how high level his striking is, but, um, 
uh, I mean, I, I'm pretty much saying this about everybody, but I feel like no, he's not. Uh, Lafleur is not a, a Sarah Sarah Longo guy. He does train out of Long Island, so I mean, I imagine he he has to drop into that place pretty often. I mean, that's where all the other high level guys are. If he's training out of Long Island, I imagine that he's going to Sarah Longo. But um, let's uh, see if they, they, they disclose his camp as Sarah Longo uh, on Fightology. No, no, it says, uh, says Boca Raton, so it could, he could be uh, training at an ATT. But that, that could be old for from the Black Sillians or some shit, too. So I'm not really too trustworthy of that. Alex Garcia um, looked pretty awesome in his last fight against uh, Muslim Saldikov. You know, uh, was able to choke him out. Um, uh, and, you know, he... Uh, Salikov coming into that fight, I believe, was undefeated and a gigantic uh, favorite against him. Um, yeah, so uh, he struggled in his UFC career in general. He is five and three, losing to Tim Means, Sean Strickland, and Neil Magny. It's pretty, pretty good competition, though. Uh, and then he also uh, has beat some uh, pretty okay competition: Sean Spencer, Mike Swick, Mike Pyle, and like I said, Muslim Salikov being his most impressive win. Um, so, uh, you know, he's a pretty explosive guy. He relies a lot on, you know, blasting double legs and, you know, big uh, knockout punches and shit like that. So uh, I think that uh, LaFleur is the deserved favorite in this fight. Um, at minus 150, I think uh, Alex Garcia opened at plus 190 and got bit down to 130. So it seems like the the public is a little more uh, uh, betting a little more on the Garcia side, which I think uh, I, th- I think is a good move because um, we've seen that uh, Lafleur has struggled with explosive power guys like Alex Oliveira and uh, Garcia. I think has a pretty similar style to him, a little more uh, a little more re- uh, reliant on uh, wrestling. Garcia is so it'll be interesting to see what he does in this fight because I think Lafleur will have the advantage on the ground. So uh, I think that uh, I think that Alex Garcia has a good chance at maybe catching Ryan Lafleur's uh, chin again, or uh, Lafleur also has a good chance at grinding him out to a decision. Uh, next fight is uh, Jim Miller taking on Dan Hooker. Uh, Dan Hooker is a gigantic favorite in this fight. Uh, at, m- let me see, at minus 360 at the comeback on uh, Jim Miller at plus 300. So uh, Jim Miller, uh, you know, been struggling a lot in the UFC lately. Uh, dropped his last three fights, um, losing to Poirier, Pettis, and Trinaldo. Some, uh, you know, obviously a murderer's row of competition. And he did uh, win his past three fights against, uh, before that, two against Gomi, Lozon, and Tiago Alves. So he hasn't looked like hopeless in the past couple of years, but he's definitely struggled in his past couple of fights. While on the other hand, Hooker uh, has looked awesome in his last couple of fights, um, having two pretty, uh, pretty, uh, Impressive finishes. One a stellar knockout knee of uh, Ross Pearson, uh, just a one-shot knockout that was you know highlight reel, and uh, a, a really hard-fought fight against Mark Dacasa that, that he ended up finishing by a guillotine choke in the third round. Um, so it seems like two guys going in different directions. Uh, you know, a young finisher. Um, Dan Hooker only one submission or one uh, decision win in his career versus an older veteran. Um, I, I think this is obviously uh, Dan Hooker's fight to win, and uh, I think that he might be able to the guy uh, to uh, to crack uh, Jim's chin and be able to finish him. Unlike his past three uh, opponents who uh, were uh, had to stick it out to a decision. Um, 
So you know, it's uh, it's it's not likely that uh, Miller gets finished, but I don't think it's likely that that Hooker goes to a decision either. So this fight's kind of in the middle. Uh, I think Hooker should win. I don't really have a prediction on how though. Um, uh, moving along, Aljamain Sterling taking on Brett Johns. Really even matchup in this one. Uh, I bet the odds to pick so too. Uh, yeah, we're sitting at uh, minus 105 for Brett Johns versus minus 115 Aljamain Sterling. Um, so I believe uh, Sterling opened up as the f- f- underdog on this one, which is kind of shocking because Johns is the uh, the less experienced fighter. But he uh, is kind of a little more hyped coming in. He's uh, you know obviously undefeated, 15 and 0, and 3 and 0 in the UFC. Had a really quick finish of Joe Soto by a calf slicer in his last fight. Um, so I think that the maybe his record and his last performance are kind of hyping him up a little bit. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, uh, Aljamain Sterling has a good chance in this fight. And uh, betting him as an underdog would be a, a very wise decision. Uh, you can't do it right now because he's obviously the favorite. But at some point, uh, the odds might bounce him back up to a, an underdog. Um, which, uh, you know, uh, Sterling was knocked out in his last fight against Marlon Moraes. But uh, before that, looked really solid against uh, Brow and uh, Augusto Mendez. And then, obviously, having two super close fights with uh, Sun Sal and Caraway. Um, but, you know, the dude's really, really uh, good on the ground. Most of his uh, wins are coming by, the, by way of submission. And uh, has choked out some pretty uh, pretty high-level opponents, um, like uh, Johnny Eduardo and uh, Takeo Mizuzaki. Um, so, uh, I think, you know, both of these guys are, uh, you know, prefer, uh, on the, fighting on the ground. They don't really have, uh, too much behind their striking, but, uh, this is a really, really razor thin matchup, honestly. Um, uh, I've seen people, you know, uh, saying that John's is, uh, is a sneaky, uh, sneaky, uh, uh, underdog in this fight now that he's technically the underdog um, and you should bet him and I've seen some people saying that uh, Sterling is the clear clear favorite and uh, you know John's is all hype and but I mean uh, I don't know it's, it's definitely uh, close to uh, call this one and the odds definitely picked uh, to pick that I'm gonna say uh, Sterling is gonna win a decision though um, next fight we have David Branch taking on Thiago Santos and uh a middleweight uh, contest. Uh, Santos is the favorite in this one, uh, coming in at minus 190. Uh, Dave Branch, plus 165. Branch lost his last fight to uh, Rockhold um, by submission, I believe. Um, yes. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, he tapped the punches. Um, yeah, so, but, you know, b- before that, the dude was on a roll, uh, just clearing out every everybody in the in the world series of fighting he was the champion uh, beating guys jesse taylor yushin okami Vinny Malgahayas, uh and then his first fight in the ufc he also beat christoph joko uh close fight not really too decisive it was a split decision but um you know luke obviously a much higher level uh, opponent kind of starched him pretty quickly but uh we have seen Thiago Santos look really good in the past, uh, I believe his past four fights are by way of uh, wins by way of knockout, if I'm correct. Yep, four TKOs in a row, Jack Marshman, Gerald Mitrat, uh, Jack Hermosin, and Anthony Smith. Um, only problem is those guys are not high level. Um, none of those guys are very good. They're all kind of, you know... Just, they're just really hittable, hittable guys, and uh, I don't understand. Yeah, so those four wins uh, before that aren't too impressive. Honestly, his wins before that, Nate Marquardt and Elias Theodoro, are more impressive. But he also has lost to Gegard Mousasi and uh, Eric Spicely. 
by way of finish. So, um, you know, he's a very active fighter. He's a super good striker, super powerful, got pretty good cardio. But uh, I don't know. I don't think that the odds are uh, totally accurate in this one. I think Branch at uh, plus 165 might have a, have a little bit of value. People are, you know, just using that confirmation or that recent bias uh, to depict the odds in this one. They see that uh, Santos has four knockouts in a row and Branch is coming off a pretty weak performance against not weak you know he did have his moments against Rockle in the first where he was able to pressure him putting put him up against the cage and land some pretty uh, heavy punches but uh you know Santos is is not an, not an easy fight by any means um so uh you know I think that uh I think that Dave Branch could actually uh, maybe catch Santos in this fight and uh, uh knock him out but uh, not not confident in the pick at all. Um, you know, I think that, that the under under my, under one and a half is definitely not a not a good uh, a bet. Um, interesting. I mean, I'm pretty pretty uh, not surprised they set it at one and a half, but I wouldn't touch that line. Um, I think that a Dave Branch KO actually might have uh, some value. To that I don't think that line is out yet, but it'll probably be plus five hundred or something. Maybe uh, maybe a little lower. But um, that that'll be uh that'll be the line to go with in that in my mind. Um, uh, next fight is uh Chase Sherman taking on Dustin Willis. Justin Willis. Justin Willis is the fella's name. Still having trouble uh, recuperating from the Dustin Justin mishap from uh, last week with the main event. So uh, Justin Willis is a gigantic favorite at minus three fifty five in this fight. Chase Sherman coming back at plus uh, two ninety five. Uh, Sherman uh, getting knocked out in his last fight by Abdurmakhanov. Um, he uh, in the first round, uh, and you know has, he did look you know decent in his uh, other fights, but he's pretty much a bum, you know. Um, pretty low level uh, skill heavyweight, uh, and I mean Willis isn't much better. I don't think that he should be minus three fifty five. That's fucking ridiculous for a guy who only has uh, two fights in the UFC. Uh, and especially his last win coming over Alan Crowder, um, and I, so the fact that he's minus three fifty five is uh, kind of a joke. Uh, I, don't, I think he should win this fight, um, but it's not going to be an interesting one at all. It's a shame they put this fight on the main card, especially third on or fourth on the main card. Um, that's just a terrible, terrible decision. Um, I don't know. Hopefully, it just ends really quickly with some easy knockout because I don't really have any interest in that fight. Um, co-main event, uh, very intriguing matchup. Frank Yeager taking on Cub Swanson in a rematch. This time it's three rounds. They did fight one another uh, back in, I believe, November of 2014. Um, let's uh, pull it up. Yep, November 22nd, 2014. And uh, I just rewatched that fight pretty recently. And uh, for the first round or two, Cub does an okay job like stopping takedowns, but Frankie really just starts to have his way with them, take him down and just control him on the ground, batter him with ground and pound, chase him submissions, um, and uh, you know arm triangle, and then eventually it was ended ended up finishing it with a uh, looked like a rear naked choke, but more of a neck crank in the uh, last 10 seconds of the fight. So pretty insane. Dude was whooping his ass for 24 and a half minutes and ended up uh, sinking in a choke right before the bell. But um, you know, I don't think that that I don't think that you can think that this fight goes the exact same way because uh, I don't. The the biggest question is obviously Frankie Edgar coming into this fight on seven weeks notice, at, not seven weeks notice, but seven weeks after the he got knocked out by Brian Ortega. So he actually took this fight probably 
three weeks after he suffered that knockout, which is just in, in, insane, the fact that he did that. And, uh, I mean, Cub, he, should, um, he should be able to beat Cub. Uh, he is obviously still has a lot left in his uh, tank. He's not done yet, uh, Frankie. But, man, that quick turnaround is definitely worrisome. And, uh, you know, if we were to see some crazy shit like Cub Swanson knock Frankie Edgar out, um, it wouldn't, uh, I mean, you know, I think it would be fucking crazy, but it would, be, it wouldn't be the most unexpected thing in the world because you, we, I would, I would realize that he should not have fought this, uh, recently after he got, uh, really brutally knocked out for the first time in his career. So, um, you know, Cub is, Cub is kind of a wimp on the ground. He, uh, all four of his UFC losses have come by submission, and he lost his last fight by submission twice, basically, um, getting tapped by uh, Ortega in the last, like, after the bell rang, basically, in the first round, and then again tapped in the second. So, uh, the fact that pl- uh, Frankie Edgar is a plus 1,000, I got him plus 1,000 submission, a little bit down to plus 900 now. Only a few fights have uh, the props out, but that was one of them. Uh, and just in general for uh, the money lines, uh, Frankie Edgar's plus two, or, uh, minus 235 with uh, uh, Cub Swanson coming in at plus 195. Um, so I think that Frankie should be able to win this fight and be able to take him down and uh, possibly... Uh, I think Frankie, if I were him, I would chase a finish to try to get my name back in contention uh, at 145, possibly 135 to get a title shot because he is kind of on the outs of his career and he wants to try to squeeze in one last title shot. So uh, I think that he needs to have a de- decisive performance against Cub Swanson, and uh, I think that uh, submission would be his easiest way to do so. So uh, I'm gonna predict. Obviously, I'm gonna predict it because I have a little bit of money on it. But uh, Frank Yeager by submission, if not decision, is also very likely. Um, and then the main event, an awesome matchup at 155, is uh, Edson Barbosa taking on Kevin Lee. Uh, two really contrastive styles in this fight. Um, Kevin Lee, minus 155 favorite. As Barbosa is a plus 135 uh, underdog. Um, pretty pretty uh, incredible to see the odds, honestly, because um, Barbosa is much more... Uh, much more uh, Experienced in the UFC has fought way high, fought and then beaten higher level guys, and um, you know Kevin Lee. Uh, you know his last fight was against Tony Ferguson. He did lose that fight for the interim title, but before that he was uh, on a pretty pretty big tear. He uh, choked out um, Michael Chiesa in their infamous uh, no tap fight. He uh, also uh, choked out um, uh, Magomed Mustav. And uh, Francisco Trinaldo, TKO J- uh, Jake Matthews. His only fight in the UFC, uh, only uh, other loss besides that in the UFC was a TKO to uh, Leonardo Santos. Excuse me, he actually lost a decision to, uh, back to Al Quinta in 2014 as well. Um, but he did pretty well in that fight, kind of showed that he could hold his own at the high level uh, at only 7 0. Um, so he, uh, other than that in the UFC, has looked really, really good. His his ground game is insane. He's a super strong wrestler. Got pretty good ground and pound. Really, really uh, awesome submissions. But um, Edson Barboza is one of the hardest uh, uh, guys to take down. You know, obviously we've seen Khabib uh, take him down and ragdoll him on the ground. But you know, Khabib is obviously a different monster. Uh, Kevin is pretty similar to Khabib in their style. Just a really heavy wrestler. Use a lot of ground and pound. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't think that Kevin's wrestling abilities are as good as uh, uh, Khabib's. So I think that he will not be able to get Barbosa down that will. And I think that he's going to struggle with Barbosa striking while he's still on the feet. 
Um, you know, Barbosa is obviously the most uh, more accomplished striker. The dude's uh, has a highlight reel of uh, you know kicking knockouts and leg kicks, TKOs, and is uh, one of the best kickers in the UFC. So I think that could uh, provide some trouble for Kevin Lee. Although I wouldn't advise kicking against a wrestler like Kevin Lee because that's just going to open up the takedowns. So uh, I don't know. We've seen Barbosa struggle with pressure fighters. We've seen him lose to. Uh, uh, obviously, Khabib, who pressured him their entire time. Um, we saw him lose to uh, Tony Ferguson, who never stopped coming forward in their brawl. Uh, Michael Johnson beat him by decision. Um, uh, Donald Cerrone was able to drop him and choke him out. Uh, Jamie Varner knocked him out a long time ago. So um, the, the dude has been beat uh, by you know a good amount of uh, people, but all pretty high-level guys, except Jamie Varner. Um and Michael Johnson is not that good either, but um, Johnson was on a roll back then at lightweight. Um, so uh, you know this is a razor thin matchup, and uh, I think that uh, I think the betting uh, Kevin Lee at minus one fifty five doesn't seem like too good of an idea. Uh, I think Barbosa's money line would be the way to go for a pre fight. Um, then you know live betting should be pretty interesting for this one. Uh, you know Barbosa was able to withstand that fifteen minute. A minute ass whooping he got from Khabib and still stay standing at the end of it so uh, I don't know Barbosa is super hard to finish uh, unless you rock him with punches in the feet obviously um, which Kevin Lee I don't think really has the ability to do um, you know he, he he's he could you know catch him with a, a big uh, a big punch but I mean Barbosa is a just way more experienced striker uh, and I think that he's gonna be able to get the better of him on the feet I haven't really thought about who I think is going to win, the, who, who my concrete pick is for this fight, because it, cause it is so close. Um, honestly, uh, the fact that it's, it's, it does not go the distance uh, is uh, such a, I think it's a pretty uh, heavy uh, under, or underdog. Or I'm a pretty f- big favorite. Does not go the distance. Excuse me. Um, I-, I think this fight could actually go to decision. Um, and in that aspect, I would favor Barbosa in a in a decision. Um, I think uh, Lee is a better explosive fighter. And um, you know, yeah, uh, it looks like Barbosa by decision um, plus three twenty, and Lee by decision is plus four hundred. So uh, the let's see, the most favorited outcome I believe is Lee by submission, which is pretty good. You know, uh, I mean. We, uh, Barbosa's, uh, um, has been, you know, choked out, uh, before, but, uh, I don't know, the dude's pretty hard to get down, and you're gonna need to really, uh, wear him down in order to get him down, so, um, this fight could be interesting, could, could end up going the distance, um, so, uh, we'll, I'll be interested to see, uh, see how that fight plays out, it's a super, super close matchup, uh, a lot of good matchups on this card, um, the odds are, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, Big underdogs and uh, big favorites, you know, pretty lopsided matchups, and there's a lot of really close ones too. Um, so uh, pretty, pretty good card. Fox Sports One, I would give it an, an eight out of ten. Uh, you know, the ordering of it, I think they fucked up a little bit with uh, putting Chase Sherman on the the main card. Um, that's uh, not not the best look. I think I w- would have rather seen them put a, uh, one of the prelims, you know, either Corey Anderson versus Cummins or LaFleur versus Garcia as a fight on the main card as well. Maybe even Bibliotov try to get him a little bit of a more uh, more exposure con- considering he could be a, a possible prospect at uh, flyweight soon. 
But um, yeah, pretty pretty good card, and uh, we're gonna move on to talking about uh, some of the some of the stories coming out of the UFC this week. Not pretty uh, pretty uh, low key uh, news week for the, the UFC. Honestly, uh, didn't really have uh, any any like groundbreaking stories. You know, uh, UFC two twenty five just got a couple more uh, announcements. They you know officially locked in a couple fights for that, like uh, CM Punk's return versus uh, Mike, uh, Mike Jackson. They made that official. UFC 225 is shaping up to look like one of the best uh, best cards of the year. Um, so, uh, I mean, just in terms of uh, insane matchups that, that's on that, like uh, Dos Santos and Covington and Whitaker and Romero matchup uh, rematch. So, super uh, looking forward to that one. UFC 224, on the other hand, is not that good of a card. Um, kind of lackluster. Yeah, um, but... Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, uh, really hard to come up with the uh, other news story this week. Uh, ben Askren is trying to fight Rory McDonald. They've been going back and forth on with each other on Twitter, um, trying to get a fight like that booked. Uh, Yancey Medeiros versus uh, Mike Perry was announced for UFC 226. It's an amazing uh, uh, brawl of a matchup. Gokan Saki versus Khalil Roundtree has been uh, rebooked uh, for UFC 226. That was supposed to happen on 219. Um, but, uh, you know, just, uh, seeing, uh, seeing a little bit of, uh, Atlantic City stuff going on, uh, Kevin Lee actually looks like he's doing pretty good with the fans and, uh, you know, really, uh, kind of, he kind of has a little bit of a, a rough, uh, a rough appearance. He kind of has a fake gangster, uh, look and everything like that, but, uh, I think the guy is, uh, at heart a pretty, uh, pretty cool guy. Uh, and um, you know, there's a couple clips of him like letting uh, uh, a special needs uh, kid, you know, like kick him in like the 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 uh, the stomach a couple times. So um, yeah, good for him. The uh, tough 27 undefeated season, uh, coached by Steve Miocic and Daniel Cormier, uh, started airing on TV last night. Um, pretty cool uh, atmosphere between uh, these two on tough. Usually, it's some it's some uh, like coaches who are kind of hate they, they don't like each other they're kind of creating some fake beef to hype up their up-and-coming fight but uh not not with these guys Cormier and Stipe are really like friendly with one another they're kind of always joking around and whatnot but uh they also are pretty competitive like they they're, they're, they're low-key with their competitiveness like they'll be joking around with each other backstage but then when you're watching them corner their fighters you know you, you see dc like getting really into it come on joe come on joe like he's, he's he he probably just became this guy's coach of, of the past couple weeks but when it's time for him to fight and he's on his team representing team cormier he's going all out cheering for him and then uh it was the the cormier's uh fighter ended up choking out uh stipe's fighter in like the first round last night and um Right away, you could see on Stipe's face, like, he was pissed. Like, he was, like, disappointed. All Like, like this is going to be a competitive season. And uh, the fact that these guys are kind of, like, joking around with one another is uh, is uh, kind of prevent uh, promotes a really cool atmosphere that you're not used to seeing on Tough. So, um, uh, other than that, I think that's going to wrap up all the news uh, this week. And uh, I'm squeezing in recording this podcast before going jujitsu. And uh, it's time to head to the gym, so uh, I think that's gonna that's gonna be all for episode 16. I uh, went over that amazing card in uh U- in Arizona last week. Um, I gave that a card a nine out of ten. Uh, was just an amazing card from top to bottom. And uh, this uh, this week's card uh, 
uh, and Atlantic City is pretty good too as well. Uh, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Um, uh, last week I did really well betting wise. Uh, hoping I can continue uh, continue that streak this week. And uh, hope you guys all enjoyed. Hope you guys enjoy the new introduction with uh, GSP. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being tuning into the podcast, I thank you for tuning in to episode 16. And I will catch you guys in two weeks before UFC 224. Peace.